Hello, and welcome to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, brought to you by the North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association. I'm your host, Matt Abel. Hello, Squeaky Clean listeners. Welcome to another bonus episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, where we're going to share with you some great content from NCSEA's recent Making Energy Work conference. In particular, a speech from a state leader who has long been a supporter of growing the clean energy ecosystem in North Carolina. We're going to keep today's introduction short and jump right into the content. And to help us introduce our guest on this episode, we have Creighton Blackwell, Chief Community and Public Affairs Officer at Coastal Credit Union. Creighton, over to you for your introduction. Good afternoon, everyone. Once again, it is a pleasure to be here. Uh, Hopefully some of you all recognize us uh, just a little bit because we've been here for a while. And I want to talk about, just for a moment, something that Matt talked about because the reason that we are here and I hear this sometimes when it comes about sustainability, energy, solar, that it's not in our lane. Well, what we believe when we're talking about impact, uh, is energy in our lane? Do, does it have impact anyone in here? Who, if you raise your hand, how many people does in energy and clean energy impact? By a show of hands. Would you then say it is in our lane to make sure that we're doing everything we can to promote clean energy? Everything that we can to be able to make sure it's not just impacting just us sitting here, but that it impacts all of us. Would you agree to that? Would you agree that the efforts that are being made by our governor, by so many, are making those positive impacts that now can save hundreds, two hundred dollars, that means so much to so many households. Would you agree to that? That's why we're here. That's why we have supported this amazing organization for years. That's what continues to allow us support this organization. That's what has brought all of you to this conference once again. And for that, we thank you for your participation, your education, your information. And now we want to also be able to thank you for the wondrous ovation that we're going to give for this special guest that we're bringing up right here now. And that guest is Governor Cooper. Clean energy. Now, Governor Cooper has a long has long been a proponent of clean energy and all the benefits it brings to North Carolinians across the state. And that is in both rural and urban areas. That longtime support dates back to his historic Executive Order 80 that was signed in 2018 which established robust electric vehicle and greenhouse gas emissions reduction goals, and then extends to his support of multi-state MOU to recruit new offshore wind manufacturing and development to North Carolina, 
along with the creation of NC Towers, the task force working to create an environment in the state conducive to becoming a regional leader in offshore wind development. You want more? And then, most recently, his signature on Executive Order 292, which establishes the Governor's Environmental Justice Advisory Council to be a whole-of-government approach to advance environmental justice concerns. And throughout all of his actions over his term as our governor, what really stands out to, the, to me the most is his and his administration's focus on ensuring the historic amounts of public investments that's being made into the clean energy space. And that that is being filtered down to the households and the communities and the people who need it the most. And that has meaning to not only those people, but all of the state agencies, many of them represented by many of you here today, that play such a critical role in how those households are being touched. With all of that, I am delighted to welcome and introduce North Carolina's 75th governor, Governor Roy Cooper. Oh, thank you, Creighton. Thanks to everyone who's here today. Glad to be here with my clean energy director, Peter Ledford. Um, it's, it's great to be here as you talk strategies about making energy work. I see a lot of faces in this room who've made a real difference over the years in reducing pollution and moving us toward a cleaner, more efficient, more sustainable energy future, and I'm grateful for that. And thinking about where I live throughout our state's history, North Carolina has harnessed the creativity and dedication of our people to put ourselves on the cutting edge of a lot of innovative industries and ideas from the first public university, to the first flight with the Wright brothers, to the Research Triangle Park, North Carolinians know how to lead into the future. And for a modern day example, you don't have to look any further than our tremendous success in building a clean energy economy. From our Clean Smokestacks Act in the 90s, that many of you worked on when the federal government wasn't doing anything in North Carolina said, we gotta do our own thing. To my lawsuit as Attorney General against the Tennessee Valley Authority in 2011, getting significant, significant emission reductions. To our historic clean energy legislation in 2021 that gets us to carbon neutrality and our power sector, North Carolina has shown a commitment to 
to cleaner air and water, along with the strong economy that it brings. People in this room know well, and North Carolinians, I think, are waking up to the fact that the clean energy economy is good for our pocketbooks as well as our environment. Most all of you are here because you're employed in the clean energy economy, and you're not alone. The clean energy economy employs more than 100,000 North Carolinians. And clean energy developers have invested nearly $60 billion in North Carolina's economy over the last 15 years. And that didn't even include the latest manufacturing investment, like Tuesday's announcement that Toyota's going to invest $8 billion more in EV and hybrid batteries bringing that total investment to $13.9 billion, creating 5,100 jobs, moving from six assembly lines to 14 assembly lines. It is truly incredible. We are becoming battery central for the world here in our state. And just in the last two years, Companies like Venfast and Forza X1 and Sunlight Batteries and Wolfspeed and ChemPower and Epsilon Advanced Materials all are bringing clean energy jobs to our state because it has been intentional. We have targeted this sector and said, we want you. We want to be your clean energy epicenter. We want to train this workforce and create an ecosystem of great clean energy workers. And in fact, we're working every day on that because we know that workforce is one of the most, if not the most important issue that CEOs are looking at right now. So we're helping to create internships and pre-internships and apprenticeships and getting our community colleges ramped up and getting private investments in workforce like we just got from Siemens. Those kinds of things are going to be critical. We have a lot of great momentum behind us right now, and we can't ease up. In fact, as you all know, our greatest carbon generator right now is in the transportation sector. And my executive orders that I have issued are, help, are helping to push us to a clean transportation economy with more electric vehicles and more plug-in hybrid vehicles. There are more than 55,000 EVs and nearly 19,000 plug-in hybrids in our state right now, which is a 50% increase of where we were last year. And let me tell you, in talking to these auto CEOs, the private markets are moving swiftly in that direction. And the Inflation Reduction Act proposed by President Biden and passed by Congress will supercharge that growth. And we're working hard to help implement charging infrastructure to help us be ready. In fact, we've started using Volkswagen settlement money. We've already got more than 1,000. We've already installed more than 1,000 ports uh, as from, from the Volkswagen money and the NEVI money is coming. So we're excited about what we can do by charging, with charging infrastructure. 
In addition, as Creighton Mission, we still need to work to ensure that the clean energy trans transformation and transition benefits all North Carolinians. And that is why I signed Executive Order 292 last week, creating the Governor's Environmental Justice Advocacy Council, Advisory Council that will advise my administration and me on actions we can take to help protect disadvantaged communities and to help them benefit from the clean energy economy. And they surely will, particularly if we can target it. We also need to be vigilant and continue to make sure that North Carolina complies with the carbon reduction requirements laid out in House Bill 951. All sorts of weather records have been broken in the last few years, including July of this year being the hottest month ever recorded. And unfortunately, North Carolina has a front row seat to the devastation that climate change can bring. We owe it to our children. We owe it to our grandchildren. Uh, and, you know, I believe that is something that, that we ought to do to make sure that we move to a clean energy economy. So it's imperative that we keep working toward compliance with House Bill 951. And that means the interim requirement of 70% carbon reduction by 2030, as well as carbon neutrality by 2050. We gotta get there. And how do we do it? Greater reliance on solar, wind, and storage. More than the utilities like Duke Energy have proposed and more than the Utilities Commission has approved. And we all need to work toward that. And I'll be the first to tell you that lower utility rates and reliability of power are absolutely critical. But we have to recognize that the rapid technology advancements are assuring that renewable energy can provide both. We're seeing that already. And we can't use natural gas as the solution to these challenges. In fact, the sunken costs in new natural gas plants, along with fuel price swings and lack of availability, can cause significantly higher rates in the future. We have to plan now for the technology we know is coming on the way, and a lot of it already here. We also need to continue our work on offshore wind. In June of uh, 2021, I signed Executive Order 218 specifically to advance North Carolina offshore wind development. That order, of course, sets the goal of 2.8 gigawatts by 2030 and 8 gigawatts by 2040, enough to power roughly 2.3 million homes 
which is astounding. I don't know about you, but I'm also not willing to pass up an industry that has the potential for a $100 billion impact in economic investments across North Carolina. We need to push to get that done. Finally, although I am so excited that North Carolina has been recognized and has become a global epicenter for clean energy and the better paying jobs and investment that comes with it, I'm concerned that over the last few months the legislature has taken action that could cause us to lose our edge if the business community doesn't step up to get them to change course. Grossly underfunding our public schools, our early childhood education, and child care will hurt the amazing workforce that has been the centerpiece of the reason why we are the number one state for business and why we are leading the race on the clean energy economy. Businesses need to step up to help to change that. Culture wars and restrictions on women's reproductive rights can interfere with choices that both businesses and people make on whether to come or to expand here. Businesses need to step up to help change that. And negative signals to businesses that value clean energy, diversity, and sustainability can hurt our recruitment. Like legislation to put the brakes on energy efficiency rules in construction that could set us back decades and cost us a lot of money in the long run to save a little bit of money up front. Like prohibiting an advanced clean trucks rule that would increase choices and lower costs for businesses that want to move to zero emission vehicles. And there are others, but those are backward and not forward. Businesses need to step up to help change that. And I hope that all of you will leave this meeting today not only working on the positive side of this and the development of this, but understanding that this is a comprehensive effort that our state is being looked at as a whole by these businesses who want to come here and to succeed. And we have to make sure that we are sending the right signals to them in order to make sure that families and communities get these great paying jobs that we know that the clean energy economy is bringing. We don't want it to stop and in fact, we want it to increase. And I'll tell you this, despite that, because I know we're going to work to do better, I'm bullish on our future. North Carolina has demonstrated our strength in the clean energy field, and there's no doubt that we're blazing the way forward. Our dedication to securing a clean energy f future has helped us to recruit major companies from all over the world 
who share our goals and values while creating thousands of good paying jobs. With the help and with the expertise of the people in this room, I believe that North Carolina will continue to be a shining example of how strong investments in clean energy can pave a better future for all of us. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for being here. Thank you for working. And thank you for your shared commitment to securing a clean energy future for our state. We have to do it, guys. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And you heard it from Governor Roy Cooper. And on our last episode of the podcast, North Carolina is a global hub for clean energy manufacturing, investment, and deployment, and is rapidly amassing and growing upon that leadership. With 105,370 jobs here, and more than 7,100 announced since the passage of the IRA, clean energy is certain to play a major part in our state's identity moving forward. But as the governor mentioned, we need to ensure we're providing proactive market signals through the legislature and the commission to ensure the policy and regulatory structures are in place to open the door for additional deployment and investment here in our state. So make sure to stay tuned for future episodes where we'll continue to cover the momentum of clean energy investments in the state. All right, and that's all for today's episode. Have ideas for future episodes or a burning clean energy question you want to see covered? Send me a note at mattable at energync.org. And if you enjoy the podcast, please consider contributing or sponsoring today to help ensure we can continue to bring great content like today's episode. Sponsorship opportunities and more can be found at energync.org forward slash the squeaky clean energy podcast. And this episode of the squeaky clean energy podcast is in the books. But before you leave, don't forget to rate, subscribe and share the pod on whatever platform you're listening in from. Sharing this podcast with your network and growing the friends of the pod helps us get just a little bit closer to our shared vision of a clean energy economy from North Carolina. All right, that's it. See you later.